The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Let's get it out of here. Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins tonight on TNT. Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. All right, thank you, TJ Reeves. And this is Price Atkinson. No, we don't have Joe Calabrese this week on episode number four of the Extraction Podcast with the 12th in Sports Network. But you have myself and my friend sitting right next to me, Mr. Gerard Gertz, President and CEO of Curling Zone. How are we, Jerry? Doing great, Price. Uh, it's always great to be here uh, with you on your show. <laughs> well, we have some fun here, and we're going to have some fun on this episode, episode number four of the Extra Extra Podcast with the 12th In Sports Network, because you and I are here in Truro, Nova Scotia, at the next Grand Slam, which would be um, not the Princess Auto Elite, but the Canadian Beef Masters, which is a little bit different from uh, what we did in Chatham just a couple weeks ago, which was Skins Play, but having a fun time here this week, and uh, you know we'll get to some of the action here, but I'll let you pop in. Yeah, the... Uh the Elite Ten in uh, Chatham was a—that's the unique event that we run in the season, right? The Elite Ten, the match play format—it's a little change it up. They moved it at the beginning of the season just because players like using something like that as more of a warm up and something that isn't necessarily as critical to the season. So, so it's moved out of that March date, and you know this one we're back to the regular five rock rule, normal, normal curling game, and uh, you know it's fun to see how it's all coming together. Well, we got a bunch to to bring you here this week. Joe Calabrese, who is not here on this part, but he will be with you for a couple interviews because he's got Team Seneker, uh coming up. Also, uh, we have got the segment you can't refuse, Joe's Baby, his favorite segment that he puts together every single week where we focus on local curling clubs from around the country what's going on in their club, what's new, what's uh, ideas, different. But Marcus Gleaton from the Kalamazoo Curling Club, Jerry, somebody you know, uh, is going to join Joe in the segment you can't refuse at the end. But we will have Team Seneca coming up. Joe had a fun conversation with them. So a lot to do here on this episode number four. Um, but we do have some uh, some action to kind of go back a little bit as we're a little bit late this week. I know Joe was ready to, to you know kick my fanny for being this far into the week and not posting it. But you know you were in Portage La Prairie last week for the Canad Ends, and pardon my voice because it's been a cold. You talk about the segment you can't refuse. This is a cold I can't get rid of. Um, but. You were in Portage La Prairie for the Women's Canadiens Women's Classic. Yeah. Kind of take us back through a little bit of the action there with uh, the U.S. teams we had competing. 
Yeah, both uh, Roth and Sinclair's teams, they, uh, you know, they've they've had a few hiccups early in the season. You know, I think uh, both of them had a very busy year last year with uh, Nina and her Olympic experience, and of course Jamie and uh, going to Worlds and winning the Players Championship. Like they had a busier than ever by a mile finish to the year than they ever have. So now, you know, they're still probably recovering a little bit from that where, you know, they they won the Nationals. So that was usually where the season a lot of times would slow down for them. But, you know, go to Worlds, play well there, and have a good run. And then uh, Players' Championship and the and the great success they had there winning that and, you know, that huge uh, USA breakthrough in the slams. So, And then, uh, you know, I believe they're also in the Champions' Cup as well. So... Um, yeah, they did, they were. They were quarterfinals. They had a heck of a battle there with, I believe, Rachel at the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to see how well they did. So, you know, there's, there's definitely some, some recovery yet, I think, for these teams. And they're starting to come around and learn some new lineups. So, Out of the U.S. women's side, not just the high performance, but some of the other teams. And, I mean, high performance included, but... You know, just so far, what you've seen from the U.S. women's, you know, over in the recent spiels, and I mean, we're barely into the season, but just your overall impression right now, the women's side. There's still a lot of learning out there. This is these are young teams, so you know you've got that lineup change with Jamie, with the Anderson uh, twins joining the lineup there, and and so adjustments, and then uh, you know Nina's team with Eileen out of the lineup now. She has a baby due. Uh, December I believe was that what it was and mm-hmm. and uh, and so switching with players there too and and I know Corey's team is still adjusting too to changes and and growing up in the sport a bit as well so you know there's so much talent there just to imagine that you know these teams are you know kind of adjusting and and going through this that you know that they're all going to be in the tier one event in Thunder Bay you know the 15 team field Mm-hmm. You know, the, some of the European teams are missing because of uh, the European Championships coming up shortly after. But, you know, so that puts them essentially top 20 in the world, three U.S. women's teams. And they're young and still with significant potential. So, you know, three USA women's teams in the top 10 in four years? Yep. I'd say bet on it. So on the men's side, let's uh, take a look at the here and now. The here and now, the Huron Repo Graphics Oil Heritage Classic, because you have a longer name for for an event than that one, Jerry. Well, Huron Repo Graphics is a great sponsor in the Sarnia area, so you know we really appreciate their support. and And Ian Parker was really the the brains behind this event. He uh, he set up the Oil Heritage Classic, and that's uh, that goes back to Petrolia and that region there, which is the you know, I believe the first place in North America that they discovered oil. I could be wrong, but it's something in that neighborhood of, of historic value. Definitely the the first place in, in Canada. So, uh, you know, a good event there. We've got, uh, I know, uh, Fenner and Fenner's team is there. you got Richie Runin and, and Team Persinger there. Um, you know, you've got a good group of, uh, of uh, teams. Um how about Heater McCormick? Oh, How about yeah, Jed yeah. Brundage? How about Tyler George? Yeah, yeah, Throwing on the old dirty ratty shoes to get back out there for a weekend? Yeah, a couple more definitely that I, I did uh, leave off the list there. You know, Jed, I, I believe Tyler's playing with Jed. I'd heard that, yep. and, and uh, that's fun. And, you know, a little bit of mentorship there. And, you know, I think for Tyler, have you know, have a good time. 
this game is so fun. And, you know, there's so much amazing camaraderie uh, out there that, uh, you know, the opportunity to go play events, like like Tyler will be there with, with Richie and his team, and, and you know, Kedra Hop is uh, kind of coming to that group too, and, and the young, young Bucks, they call themselves. Hashtag Young Bucks. Hashtag Young Bucks. Those guys are playing pretty well, and... Uh, you know, we're you know they're making a bit of a run through uh, Sarnia there. So yeah, good event. The Americans like that event, or they seem to. I think Corey. Speaking of liking, I think Corey was uh, was liking beating Rich Ruin and what he quoted the defending U.S. national champions on t- on Twitter. Yeah, there were no slouches either. That was uh, that's a good win. Uh, ruining those guys as of last count, Jerry. I believe that they got beat and are out. I'll have to check, double check that. They d- actually, excuse me, they are still alive. They beat Wayne Tuck nine to eight, uh, so they are still in the uh, Huron Repo Graphics uh, Oil Heritage Classic. Um, but overall impressions of the U.S. men's side of things just in the first couple months of the season yeah there's been mixed successes you know you had Fenner's team win they uh two-time runner-up that's what it was uh in in canada at the mother club classic in winnipeg and and then in st paul so a good result there and then of course the the junior boys uh winning st paul that's a pretty significant win um you know you had richie and and uh, kind of a mixed team with uh uh, Nuremberger and uh, and uh, Baton on the front end there. That was a bit of a mix up for World Cup, and they did you know they they showed respectfully there. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> you know it's it, it it's been a decent year so far. So you know a good start to continue momentum forward. You know Schuster's big win over uh, Brad Gushu here on TV mm-hmm. on the feature sheet center ice. And they go be in, they go and beat uh, Brad Gushu. So, you know that's a big uh, feather in the cap for those boys. And you know just seeing John, I think he's really continuing to evolve and develop in the sport. And you know he wants to do everything he can to win. Yeah. You know he he doesn't want to be that. Uh, you know your highlight achievement is w- right now. You know he wants to continue building on that and making something bigger out of it. And then it's, you know you can see that development. All right, we got more to come. We've got Stephanie Seneker, Team Seneker's team coming up, a team that the 12th Men Sports Network is proud to represent, Jerry. Yeah, you know, the Steph, the Seneker team, uh, I've gotten to know them a bit and doing a little bit of uh, work with them and good friends of mine as well. And and uh, they made the playoffs in the Stu Cells Toronto uh, beginning of October. They... Uh, they ended up going uh, two and two. They were playing the last game of the round robin, and they, if they had they won, they would have been straight into the playoffs. Instead, they lost, and we ended up having tiebreakers, and they squeaked into a tiebreaker game. And unfortunately, though, this tiebreaker game was starting at ten o'clock at night, and they were walking off the ice at like nine thirty. So it's like you know, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. <laughs> Welcome to the show, ladies, kind of thing, uh-huh. and. Uh, you know what? They 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 got some quick refreshments and uh, a little bit of power up and uh, back out on the ice against uh, Joanne Rizzo and uh, played a great game. Got her down to the end and uh, Steph made a fifteen foot run back for the win. 
and you know, big time shot, made the playoffs, and yeah, they were uh, through the moon, and it was it was awesome to see the success they had. Well, it is awesome, and we'll bring you that interview Joe did with them. I think you're going to enjoy that one, a lot of fun. And then, again, the segment you can't refuse if you're a club from around the United States. You want your club featured? Well, we can make that happen. Just drop us a line at the 12th Inn Sports Network. Visit us, tesn.us. Give us a follow on Twitter or drop us a line on Facebook. Let us know if your club is interested to feature on this segment you can't refuse. But the godfather himself, Joe Calabrese, will bring you that segment here at the end. Marcus Gleaton from the Kalamazoo Curling Club, somebody that he's going to talk to and feature uh, this coming uh, episode here, a little bit later on episode four, as we will be coming to Kalamazoo, Jerry, later in the season as the U.S. National is going to be held up there uh, back at, uh, I believe it's Wings Arena for the first time in several years. Yeah, it's you know Kalamazoo is a pretty cool uh, little curling town. It's become and you know a lot of great places to visit in that uh, city. It's not real big, you know. I don't think it gets a, a ton of respect in that regard, but you know it's this neat uh, you know small city, neat uh, community where you know it's still a bit of a track to get to the, a big city, Detroit, Chicago. So they they're pretty self sufficient in that way too, and and they've got a good beer. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, uh, what do you call it? Beer, beer scene, scene. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. And and uh, Wings has been a big time supporter. You know, I was there in 2010 when they held the first uh, U.S. Nationals there, and uh, that they hosted, and and then again a few years back, I think 2015 maybe somewhere in that range, another good one there. And and they've actually now become a formal curling club. One of the arenas is is, is now essentially leased to the curling club and they run dedicated ice all year long so you know that's a that's a curling club a dedicated ice facility that a lot of people don't actually know about because it just sort of became possible so that was a pretty cool partnership between wings arena to create the kalamazoo curling club and uh, and we'll be back uh, i think in the big arena for nationals and or one or one of the other mm-hmm. side arenas i'm not sure which one for sure but uh yeah, it'll be ba- it'll be fun to be back in in the zoo. Yeah, well, we will be back here on the extra extra end. Jerry and I will come back and wrap everything up uh, as I'm still battling this raspy voice and cold going on another week now. Appreciate everybody bearing with me. But coming up, Stephanie Seneker, Team Seneker, with the Godfather himself, Joe Calabrese. When we come back here on the 12th and Sports Networks, the extra extra end podcast. It's- Welcome back to the Extra Extra End. We are now joined by TESN sponsored Team Seneker. On the line is Skip Stephanie Seneker, Vice Rebecca Andrew, Second Amelia Yochis, Lead Maya Willerts, and Fifth Elizabeth Demers. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Hi, Joe. Thank you very much. Hello. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, so I thought we'd start with a couple of uh, really easy questions and then we'll have some fun. Um, so, Stephanie. Uh, tell me a little yeah. bit about how the team came together. So I think that actually started in the locker room at Mixed Nationals. After the bronze game, we were chatting a little bit about women's curling and the state of women's curling and how there aren't, doesn't seem to be that many teams. And Dr. Rebecca, she played on the tour the previous 
season and then she indicated that she was a free agent and I said, Oh, that's interesting. I'm a free agent too. And we got one plus one plus one. Yeah, we might have something going here. So um, we were looking for an additional player. We wound up picking up Maya. And as an alternate, we talked to Elizabeth, and she was game to jump on board. So she's our official fifth, and that's how the team got started. But it was sort of an and we impromptu. Met also at the mix, we met her at the mixed playdown, though, too. That's true, yeah. We played against Maya at mixed yes. regions. <laughs> so super yeah. teams join forces. I like it. Um, so... <laughs> Rebecca, so far, you know, we're, we're already quite a bit into the season and the results have been pretty good for this team. Tell me a little bit about the highlights so far. Sure. Boy, what are the highlights? Pretty much every event we've been to has been pretty good so far. Um, you know, for a brand new team, I guess, I guess our first event in Oakville qualifying was pretty exciting. You know, you don't always expect to do that brand new team together. No one's had ice except for Maya all summer. Um, so to be able to do that was pretty exciting. <laughs> You know, it's been a blast. We've had a lot of fun curling together. So for me, that's been a highlight, um, you know, being able to have Clark as our coach, who I've worked with for a long time. And, um, we're, we're having a good time. That's awesome. And and so, Amelia, you're you're sort of the social media uh, presence for the team, as far as I understand. Is that is that right? Everybody's nodding except for you. I'm, you have to speak. This is an audio it's podcast. True. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me where do you come up with these ideas for your social media uh, genius in my mind i just see things really fast just kind of pick up puns um all of my uh gift selections are passed on to maya for uh millennial approval um <laughs> there's lots of funny stuff that happens and then capturing the moment and then posting it out there that's what people want to want to see like we're we're normal women doing normal things and having a lot of fun. And I think that's the part of our team spirit is just to share with others and get other people involved. And I think that's the best way to doing it is through social media, if it's through Twitter, or if it's through Facebook, it just connects people together to us and then to the sport itself. That's awesome. So, and so you mentioned uh, Maya being the millennial of the group. Maya, tell me a little bit about what it's like to join a, a team with uh, a little bit more experience than maybe you've been dealing with in the past. Yeah, um, it's actually been awesome. I was really nervous at the beginning of the season just because I didn't quite know what I had signed up for. Um, and it honestly, it's it's been the most fun I've had curling in years. So, which sounds weird because I'm 18. So, like, you know, I don't know. Years, years. isn't necessarily a long time. But, um, yeah, no, it's been awesome. Um, it's been, like, just the higher level of like conversation and getting it to play against all of these really, really high level teams and realizing that we're also a high level team is really fun. Um, and it was kind of a strange realization to come to at the very beginning of the season, but it's been really cool. So yeah. Very good. And, and Elizabeth, it sometimes is a little bit um, unusual to have a fifth player come in so early in the season. Sometimes they bring somebody in because there's some sort of a need. Tell me a little bit about your role on the team. I'm I couldn't be more thrilled to be here I just want to pinch myself in fact that I get to be so lucky as to play with these amazing women um, I did get to play in one event and we qualified in that one so that was great I felt like I was contributing on ice as well as off ice but uh, I'm here to have fun and to help keep everybody's spirits up and to keep us moving forward that's awesome 
So now it's time for a game. Since your team is newly formed this year, I thought we might play the newly team game. It's a game where I ask you questions designed so that you will learn the ins and outs of your team. Think of it as a team building exercise. What do you say? Yeah. Sure. Woo. <laughs> so I'm gonna. The first one is really for the whole team, and the 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 question is: Are you a morning person? So you like? Do you like the morning draw, or do you like the <laughs> evening draw? Start with Stephanie. I like the evening draw. Yeah, Rebecca. I like the afternoon draw. <laughs> that wasn't an option. <laughs> well, can I sleep in and go to bed early? I suppose that's that's all right. All right, uh, Amelia. Evening. Evening. Maya? Like the morning draw. Morning draw. How about you, Elizabeth? Totally morning person, but I think my favorite draw is the 12 a.m. draw. <laughs> yes, it is. Early, early morning draw. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask this one for, for um, which one of you is sort of a TV addict? Anybody a TV addict in the group? Nobody. Not All right. right. So this no. question's so this question is for I'm gonna pick somebody randomly. Amelia. Okay. So what TV channel does not exist but should? <laughs> hmm. TV channel that should exist but doesn't. But I doesn't. think the Carl and Paul channel should exist. <laughs> uh ding, ding, all ding. Of our llama needs. Yeah, yeah. Their adventures are fantastic. I mean, there's faces floating around everywhere, meat dragons, um, melting ice. It, yeah, yeah. Boat nectar. I'll take your word for hey, it. Katie. All right then. Check it out. Okay. <laughs> I'm learning things already. This is good. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, what is something that is considered a luxury? That you cannot live without. Massage. Very good. Very good answer. How about you, Favorite Rebecca? What do you think? <laughs> yes, exactly. That too. Oh, um, good coffee. Yeah. I will pay good money for excellent beans. Moving on. Stephanie, this one's for you. If you were a dictator of a small island nation, what crazy stuff would you do? Oh, my God. It's like you this is brilliant. Um, I would have to train number one, I would have to train the local wildlife to do some of the work, the gathering of resources. I don't know what would be available on this island because I don't know which ecosystem we'd be in or what part of the earth, but uh, I'm gonna guess tropical. So I would have probably a troop of uh, trained toucans and uh kind of like a crab brigade that could go and gather coconuts and such and uh, bring them back to my, my location. Yeah. All, all, all the pinches. All. So yeah, it would be, be a good time and right. uh, build my little coconut castle. And uh, anybody that would have to land on this, this Island, I don't know, would it already be inhabited by people? I'm imagining no people. Well, well you're the dictator. Really you should you should be able to decide who gets to be on the island when and where. So you can decide. You're the dictator. Excellent. So I could uh, stage a few uh, invasions of, of the local islands and, and bring those islanders to mine and fold them in. Uh, so I think it's, it's 
Okay. Sounds like every week I'm on tour. That's right. Yeah. This I was. Is, yeah, I'm looking out my island fantasy on the ice at this point, and then right. someday when I have the resources and wherewithal to migrate to a small island nation and convince them that they should just live with me, then yeah, I, I, I'll uh, I'll go to warmer climes. But for now, I'll stick to the club. Sounds good. Um, this one's from Maya. Maya, what is something that a ton of people get obsessed with that you just can't understand? Are we looking? Uh, hmm. Um, I don't know. There's some memes out there that I'm just like, wow, that, that makes no sense. Like, I think everybody's sense of humor is getting worse. Um, when it comes to it, I can't even think of a specific meme, but there's some of them out there where I'm just like, yeah, that's not even funny, but everybody uses it. Um, it's like right now the whole, like, let's get this bread thing. Has anybody else heard of that? Or is that just on millennial Twitter? (laughs) What's going on with the bread? Like people wake up and they're like, oh, let's get this bread. Like bread means money. money. Like, I don't know. I think that's dumb. And, like, I, I can't really get on board with that, but a lot of people are pretty up in arms about that right now. So, yeah. I'm I'm trying to figure out what the URL is for Millennial Twitter. I'll, I'll figure that out later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so, Rebecca, this one's for you. If you were suddenly – if you had su- – excuse me. If you suddenly became a master at woodworking, what would you make? Hmm. Um – a really nice dog house. I really, for my dogs, what I really want, Maisie's been pretty good at climbing trees recently, so I want to build her like a tree house, but for dogs. <laughs> a tree house for dogs. <laughs> How's it going to get up cool. there? You build your, you she, yourself she a little elder? Trees. Oh, okay. Well, she, she climbs trees. I'll, Cameron taught her to climb a ladder the other week, so I figured we just build a little dog oh, ladder, okay. and then Maisie can climb up there, and Murphy will be at the bottom just barking at her. It'll be great. Okay. Very good. Um, this one is uh, for Elizabeth. Elizabeth, what dumb accomplishment are you most proud of? What dumb accomplishment am I most proud of? Um, hmm. <laughs> Ever win like a moment, perfect attendance award? In the morning. <laughs> oh, God, no. No, nothing like that. No. I do have a party chicken. Uh, party chicken? Well, there you go. Cool. Yeah. But um, I just getting up in the morning feels like an accomplishment right now. So, life is uh, good. Life all is great. things are learning about our team. All the this things. is this is. I I just have two questions left. We'll have to pick this up the next time. Joe, these questions are hard. <laughs> well, they're, they're hard. They're designed to make you think. I I think of myself <laughs> as the unofficial team psychologist, and so I'm just trying oh, to help. It. I'm just trying to help. I uh, did just w- think of a dumb thing I did once. I oh, shut okay. my own ear in the car. You what your own ear what? in the car? I shut my own ear in the car door once. <laughs> oh my goodness. You shut your I ear didn't in the think car? It was possible either. And I shut my ear into my car. Yeah. Are you an elf? It was painful. <laughs> so that was really dumb. We're really going to have to figure out how to put this podcast on video next time. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So the reactions of the team have been outstanding to that answer. Um, this one is this one's for Amelia, and then I'm going to end one with with Stephanie. Um, there are 
I'm sorry. If uh, for Amelia, if you were in solitary confinement, solitary confinement for six months, what one thing would you do to stay sane? Draw on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have pencils, and I love pencils. Well, you're in solitary confinement. I suppose you could request pencils. Yeah. They're sharp. They're sharp pencils. Um, <laughs> drawing on the wall. I like drawing on the wall. You make stories on the wall, it'll be pretty exciting. I can draw my curling team on the wall until I get out. Very good. Draw dogs. That is so sad. Draw food. I see. I see. Um, so, Stephanie, last question. Last question. And then, uh, fortunately for everyone, that we'll be done with this edition. <laughs> if you could describe your, uh, your life as the title of a board game, what would it be? Um, oh, Amelia has an answer. She's raising her hand. <laughs> I'm going with I'm going with eclectic. What's Amelia got? <laughs> Trouble. 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 We got sorry. Does that mean listen board game? Shoots and ladders could be one. Shoots and ladders. That's a good one. Candy, candy yeah. like Candyland. <laughs> <laughs> you're so earnest about it too <laughs> so much so much wall. we've learned so far I think of the curling part I think of red for Settlers of Catan but, oh yeah. yeah there you go so um, that concludes the, the newly team game for this week um, we'll, we'll maybe try this again a little bit later on in the season when you guys have, have learned a little bit more about each other um, however, what I thought I'd do is that maybe I'll ask Rebecca, you know what? I know you guys are up in Canada this week. Tell us where you're going to be. Yeah, we're headed up to the Gord Caroling Classic, right? Is that what it is, Amelia? Yeah. Um, no, we're, we're going to, we're going to the Gord Carol Classic up in Whitby. Um, it's about what, 45 minutes east of Toronto. And, uh, I think it's a 24 team field. Very good. Sounds like a lot of fun. And then what events do you have after that? Uh, we're definitely going up to, there's a, a women's field in Listowel, Ontario. And that, I think that's the only one we have firmly on the schedule right now. Um, we, we'll, we'll figure it out from there, kind of where we sit for points and kind of if we need to add another event or not. Um, but I think Whippy and Listowel, and then we're going to have a couple practice weekends and uh, get tuned up for challenge round or nationals or whatever we need to go to. Sounds great. So, Amelia, tell everybody at home how they can find your team out on the web. Oh, on the web. You can find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com backslash Team Seneca and then on the Twitter at uh, Team Seneca. And that's T-E-A-M-S-E-N-N-E-K-E-R. Very good. Thank I want to thank you all for joining us on the podcast this week. Uh, best of luck for you uh, this weekend and in the future uh, leading up to, uh, I know uh, your hope is to be in the Nationals field. So good luck with that, and uh, we will catch you uh, later on uh, during the season. Thanks, Joe. Indeed. Good luck to your team this weekend yeah, as well. Thanks, Joe. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. Welcome to the segment you can't refuse. It's the Godfather Joe Calabrese with a special guest this week. I'm joined today by the president of the Kalamazoo Curling Club, Marcus Gleaton. Marcus, welcome to the podcast. Thanks to have me, Joe. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, 
I know it's a big year for the Kalamazoo Curling Club, and we'll get to why in just a second, but I want to know a little bit about the history of the curling club. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we um, a guy named Kent Elliott, uh, kind of fueled by Dean Gemmel, actually, encouraged him to try curling and uh, took him up to Blind River, Ontario, for a few spiels for a few years. And then Kent decided to try something in Kalamazoo. And in 2008 was our first time we actually had any curling there. Wings Event Center kind of partnered with us. And ever since then, we founded the club back in 08. And uh, we've been kind of going gangbusters ever since. So um, you've been around for about 10 years. Tell me a little bit about the club's growth. Yeah, um, obviously, like any club, we started off uh, slow. But with the two Olympic cycles that we've had since then, it's really enabled us to grow pretty rapidly, especially this past year. Obviously, with the U.S. men's winning the Olympic gold, it was a huge success for us. And I'm sure for all clubs across the United States, we saw we probably had well, close to 1,600 people that came through the doors to learn how to curl between regular learn to curls and corporate events. And of those, we had about 200 or so that took what we called mini Olympic leagues, three-week sessions. And of those, we still had close to 70 or 80 that stuck around this year and are playing with us this year. So we've doubled in size almost between last year and this year. So it's really been uh, really, really been pretty great. And so how would you define your club? Are you an arena club? Are you a, a dedicated club? How would you define it? I know that you're, you're playing in the wing center, but tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're a little bit of a hybrid. Uh, we have dedicated ice. So after the 2015 nationals that we hosted, uh, we went to, I went to wings and said, we really need to get something better. Uh, and they agreed. And we all decided on one of the sheets, there's three pads in the in the facility, and we have one of the pads. It's primarily dedicated just to curling. There's no hockey that goes on there. It's just our curling rings, and uh, a couple times a season, we have to hand it over to them to do different ice ev- or different non-ice events, uh, which isn't that big of a deal. Uh, then we just get the ice back, and we do a couple more floods and get it back to where we need it. And so it's really enabled us to grow, have a lot more events going on, a lot more learn to curls, everything else to really help us to provide what our curlers need. I would suspect that your your ice conditions are probably much, much better since the uh, 2015 then. Yes, they are. Yeah, 2015, we had Zambonis running over our ice, and now it's us. We have our own ice king, and we uh, we take care of it. We maintain the ice. Wings doesn't touch the ice. It's just us. So it's, it's basically the same as a dedicated club, the difference being it's their equipment in terms of the chiller and the barn itself. So if anything goes wrong, we get to call them, and they have to fix it, which is it's kind of nice for us. We don't have a lot of overhead or extra expenses. That's a pretty cool model. I suspect that other ones would be looking to you for some ideas as to how to maintain uh, such a model for their own clubs down the road. That's great. Um, you mentioned a little bit about uh, 2015 and how U.S. Nationals was at Wing Stadium in Kalamazoo. And uh, this uh, coming spring, Nationals is coming back to the stadium. Uh, what can people expect this time around for Nationals? Um, well, you know, for those that have been here before, it's, it's in the same arena that was in 2015, but this year we've got a lot more concerted effort on, uh, selling more tickets, getting more sponsorships. Um, so we're hoping to fill the seats a lot more, obviously with the Olympics, the way that it, 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 uh, played out last year, that's going to help drive more as well. But wings has seen the curling as an event that they want to do on a, on a recurring basis. And so this year, this time around, They've got an entirely dedicated marketing staff to selling group sales, group tickets. Um, they're out there marketing a lot sooner than we did last year and the prior time. So 
we're really hoping to get a lot more interest. Uh, it's the third time we've hosted it in nine years. So we're hoping the community itself remembers that and kind of comes on out and, and supports it a lot. Well, we're definitely looking forward to coming out to Kalamazoo again this uh, this spring, uh, webcasting nationals. Uh, what, what are the dates exactly? I know it's uh, March, I'm sorry, February 9th through, I think, the 16th? The 16th, yeah, 9th yep. through the 16th, yep, Saturday through Saturday. Very good. Uh, I'm speaking with Marcus Gleaton. He's the president of the Kalamazoo Curling Club. Um, Marcus, talking about uh, the nationals coming up in 2018 in, in February, uh, I'm sure you need lots of volunteers and help. Tell us uh, about how people can get involved. Yes, we absolutely do. Uh, and for those of you that have hosted these in the past, you know there's hundreds of people that need to come together to put together the event and make it run smoothly. Uh, we have a lot of new curlers that are excited about it, which is really wonderful for us. But needless to say, we can use any help from the experienced folks around our region as well as around the country. Um, you know, the, the Olympians will be here, which is pretty exciting, the girls and the guys. So, We'd love to get a lot of people kind of coming in and helping us out and making the event really special for them. Uh, we do our best every time, but, you know, it's it gets it gets difficult to get that many people to come on out. So anybody that wants to come on out and help us, we'd love to have you. You can go out to our website, CalamazooCurlingClub.com. We've got a simple link to sign up for interest that you might have, whether it's timers or ice guys or um, just helping around for miscellaneous things, uh, getting um, different credentialing the people when they come in and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things to be done and anybody that can help would be great. Yeah, I would, I would like to put out a plea. Also, we also need camera people. We always use volunteers for our on ice camera folks. And so if you have an interest in that, we can certainly use your help for that. And I, you can sure you can use that same web form to let them know of your interest in that. Marcus. So what other events are you going to be having at the, uh, at the club this season? Oh, we already we just uh, finished up our our cash spiel, which we've been running now since we had dedicated ice, and um, that went real well. And then we have just basically our one other major event that we always do. It's called the beer spiel. It's the first weekend in November. It's uh, 32 teams that come together, and uh, we bring a lot of craft beer. We do beer pub crawls throughout the weekend, a lot of different fun stuff, and uh, we always have a great time with that one. That's really our only other major ice event that we have, other than interclub and um, inter. Uh, internal and intra inter and interest club events has the uh spiel filled yet yeah it fills up pretty quickly every year um it's it's one that people like to go to make sure we take good care of them so they come back that sounds great and and you mentioned you had a cash spiel not too long ago tell me a little bit about the origins of that yeah it was it was three years ago actually jonathan penny out of cincinnati kind of reached out to some of the clubs in the glca and wanted to create a little bit higher level of competition for men's and women's teams to have a chance to compete uh, and get a little bit better. And it's gone okay. Um, we've had 12 teams, 10 teams, and this year was only eight. Uh, but we still had a real good time. The brackets worked out real well. It was it was a good time. We enjoyed it tremendously. Um, Rick Law from Ontario, their team won it. So we're hoping to kind of get back up there again next year. We were at the same weekend as the members' assembly out in New York, so we lost a few of our teams that usually show up. So we'll make sure we schedule accordingly next year. Sounds good. Um, I want to go back to 2015 for a minute. When we were at Nationals in 2015, uh, the club had put on display an all-black curling stone. It was slightly larger, and I would say maybe in terms of width and maybe a little bit flatter than a normal curling stone. Um, Correct. Yes. It, it seems like it has a really interesting story as to how you got your hands on these things. So tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, it was basically um, there was a local company called Calsec. They actually uh, a number of years ago, and we've actually reached out to get more of a history on this because of because of the interest. Uh, basically, had a curling club or a couple a sheet of ice for their employees to use at, on their uh, campus facility. And when we started the club in 2008, the owner, uh, former owner, she brought those to us and said, hey, here are these, these rocks. We'd like you guys to use them for whatever you need. And as you mentioned, they were a different kind of rock. They weren't a typical stone. Um, so they're very unusual. And there was only 13. So we really couldn't use them for play. But uh, we thought as, as the board, we thought, you know, these would be great to use to auction off every time we do something big or to raise some money. And, and we happened to host the 2010 Nationals right after that. So we get them engraved with the um, the event. We have all of the athletes that come through there, sign it. And then we keep one for the club and we auction one off. And we've done that both years and or both times we've hosted the Nationals. It's really gone over well. We get 1500 to $2,000 each time we've done it so far. And um, so it's a real easy moneymaker. And it's kind of a neat memento to have for all of the uh, national events that we've hosted. So should we expect there be another one on display uh, this time around? Absolutely. As you heard me say, there's 13 of them, and we're keeping them kind of near and dear to our heart. We've been offered a lot of people have wanted them. Uh, we did actually, after the 2015s, um, uh, provide one to Craig Brown. Uh, he bought one from us because Erica had, it's kind of a near and dear place to her heart. She had won twice since she had been there. And so uh, he broke us down after the 2015s and, we agreed to sell him one so that she he could give that to Erica actually for her birthday, I believe. She was shortly thereafter the uh, the Nationals was back in 2015. So, but otherwise, yes, it was absolutely. We will have another one there to be auctioned off this coming upcoming 2019. Sounds good. I'm sure we'll have to post some pictures of that stone as uh, we get out there in February. It's a it's a pretty cool and unique item. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, it is. So, uh, Marcus, tell us a little bit about how people can find the Kalamazoo Curling Club. Sure. Uh, they, obviously, they can go on to our website at kalamazoocurlingclub.com. Uh, we've got information on there as well as our Facebook page, which is kind of the, the primary thing we use to keep people posted on, learn to curl events and other happenings going on in Kalamazoo. Um, we're located right off I-94, so it's real easy access for folks in, in the southwest Michigan corridor, which is kind of nice for us. So uh, we look forward to hosting anybody we can and coming on out whenever they uh, want to try curling. Well, thanks so much, Marcus. I really do appreciate you spending the time with us today. And make sure you check out the Kalamazoo Curling Club on the web at kalamazoocurlingclub.com and check them out on Facebook as well. Uh, if you want to have your club featured on the Extra Extra End, uh, contact me at joe at tesn.us. And uh, thanks again for joining us, Marcus. And uh, come out and uh, check us out each week on the Extra Extra End for the segment you can't refuse. It'll be Sleeping with the Fishes. All right, final segment here on the Extra Action Podcast with the Twelfth Sports Network. Price Atkinson and Jerry Gertz coming to you from the beautiful Holiday Inn Express in Truro, Nova Scotia, where we cannot figure out what floor is what from one day to the next. Oh, this is a labyrinth, this hotel. <laughs> it, we walk to the first floor, and you turn the corner, and now you're on the third floor. We got lost one night trying to get back to our room. We were literally 25 feet from our door, but it was around the corner, and we didn't peek around the corner because we we knew we were on the first floor, and we all of a sudden walked up to a sign that said 300. So 
and yeah, it is a mystery. This whole place, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, fun here. But yeah, Truro is a really neat community. Uh, lots of neat, cool stuff going on here. It's definitely a tourist place. So this is a summer, uh, uh, summer hot haven and or summer haven, <clears> whatever. And and uh, you know the seafood. We had some great, uh, had a great uh, lunch. Murphy's baby. Thank you. By the way, thank you, Jerry Gertz, for that lunch. But thank you to the fine people at Murphy's Fish and Chips. That was some delicious fried fish but it wasn't fried in the sense it was like heavy fried it was a very light super super light yeah good food and you know nova scotia is such an amazing place for food you definitely if you enjoy seafood you got to come make a visit out here sometime in the community the people are awesome yeah the people have been awesome uh, especially over at the arena at the raft center and uh, i'll tell you but by the way awesome awesome when you lose your wallet like i did this morning i knew it would turn up and I go to the, I get a call from the front desk and say, Rice, your wallet has been found. But I told several people, I told you, if there was one place that I would want to lose my wallet, it was number one at a curling event, number two probably in Canada, and number three around Maritimers because they are so kind here. And sure enough, a volunteer turned my wallet in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's such a neat place. I get to travel uh, across this country. I've traveled uh, through just about every state in the United States and uh, – you know, I love just experiencing life in communities and stuff and, you know, getting to know people and see how, you know, how people just live. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, the, it's been a lot of fun here, and the people are great. And, you know, the the local, I don't want to say the, the Halifax community, because some people kind of call this greater Halifax because it's, what, about an hour up the road. Yeah. But there is a very heavy Halifax flavor because over at the arena with uh, Team Jamie Murphy and uh, you know Caitlin Jones, the uh, you know World Junior Champion, hailing from Nova Scotia and Halifax. Man, there's been a great atmosphere over there, and the cool thing about it is the two local teams from Nova Scotia they make the playoffs. Yeah, it's fun to see. Caitlin Jones's team is very good, and uh, you know they you know they really showed themselves well uh jamie murphy's team uh you know they lost out in tiebreakers but they were uh one shot away from being three and one you know kevin cooey made a miraculous shot on them in their opening game murphy came you know i think if murphy is one foot shorter on his last draw there there isn't much of a shot but even then cooey made this 15 20 foot run back double where he had to clear another stone and Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, it was an amazing shot. So they could have easily been three and one. They proved themselves well, and uh, yeah, it's good to see those guys get an opportunity in an event like this too. You know, that's what you know. The Grand Slams are really starting to offer that opportunity a little bit. You've got the Tier Two uh, event, which opens the door to a bunch of other teams. You've got the uh, Champions Cup event at the end of the year, which is all about you have to win to get in. So, you know, what they do is there's some designated events that are guaranteed a spot, things like Europeans and Worlds, Asia Pacifics, the U.S. National Champion gets a spot, Briar, Scotties, all that stuff. And uh, and then from there, the event is filled with uh, the winners off the World Curling Tour, and it's sorted by highest strength of field event down. So as you go down the list, you know, if your event had a good field and 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 you won, you get an invite to this event. So, you know, we've gone as low as uh you know, I believe Evelith has qualified a team in the past. Uh the US Open has qualified a team. I know uh 
Mike McEwen has qualified out of uh, the the Golden Ranch in Arizona. So mm-hmm. you know these events are turning into Grand Slam qualifiers. So you know that's that's big for the players and. You know they're going to want to play these types of events to still get opportunities to get into an event like that because you got to win, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's a neat experience. So, you know, I think I, I went through the numbers because of a you know a little discussion that's going on about the slams and stuff, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of people see that seem to think that it's impossible to get into them, but you know if you go out and win and and you know regularly make playoffs and put together a good season, you can mm-hmm. get into these events. You see the team teams that that do and and uh you know i think our game is in a in a really healthy place right now with the elite um you know i think there's definitely a lot to evolve with the sport in keeping some of that game alive in places that are struggling um so there's a lot of positives there's definitely some negatives that we're working through too so yeah it's 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 an interesting time in our game well, there were some big moments here. You mentioned uh, Schuster and those guys beating Brad Gushu on the feature sheet, uh, a game that was broadcast throughout Canada on Sportsnet. Um, yeah, yeah. Speaking of of amazing things that we've seen, three USA teams were on feature TV games on Sportsnet. Schuster, Sinclair, and Roth all got a feature TV game on Sportsnet. I'm not sure we've had one that's been chosen USA team. Like, you know, we're going to pick USA and show them for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you end up there every once in a while, and in the playoffs it becomes sometimes you cover it. And But, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing to see that, that the interest and the success that the teams are having and and what the, the high-performance program has done for for those teams in the, in the U.S. And, and on the world stage has been uh, remarkable. Well, it was you know big opportunity for Jamie and for Nina, and Jamie does not qualify for the playoffs. Nina comes within a whisker because they they force a tiebreaker situation, a rematch against Chelsea Carey. But in the process to get to that tiebreaker and rematch, they go off and have to beat Jennifer Jones just to even have a shot. And what a wild game that was, Jerry! They were trailing what seven to three with two ends remaining. And they get five in three in the seventh, two in the eighth, and they come back and win now, a lot of missed shots by both teams. But still, when you get down seven to three, you just keep fighting and grinding and kind of clawing your way to give yourself a chance. And they did, and they beat Jennifer Jones and they make it to the uh, the tiebreaker, which they came up short this morning to Chelsea Carey. Yeah, it was a it was a gritty performance by uh, Nina and her team. I think they're still uh you know, I think right now they're definitely adjusting to the five rock rule a bit. There's some things I'm seeing um, in their game that uh, that I think, with a little bit of tweaking, can really make that team strong. They're a they're a, a top quality aggressive team. Like they enjoy putting rocks in play and playing aggressive and and going after their opponents and. And that style of play, you know, it's it's easier to take that and rein it in than it is to teach somebody how to how to play like that. Yep. And you know, you, you figure out the timing and everything with that. And you know, this team is very skilled. Yep. You know, they're very good at the draw game, which is what you have to do now under five rock rule. It's just timing. And so, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what that team can do uh, in the future. 
Well, the future is coming up in a couple weeks where we've got Thunder Bay. And how about the U.S. flavor that's going to be at the in Thunder Bay for that slam? That's going to be what close – we nothing official yet, especially on the Tier 2 side of things for the Tour Challenge. But probably going to be eight U.S. teams. Yeah, there's uh, that's the word I'm going to uh... – the the teams have been invited, so they know who they are. So you know, don't. F- there's nobody expecting an invite that, unfortunately, that is to come yet. But it looks like there'll be eight teams. I know the. Uh, it's you know, it's safe to say that uh, Fenner and Christensen and Ruinen, Schuster, Roth, and Sinclair will all be in the tournament. The three, Christensen, Roth, and Sinclair, are all in the yep. in the tier one. So that's. Uh, that's pretty amazing to see, and and uh, and then there's a couple other teams that have been invited based on uh, on on geography. So, um, it's uh, it's such an amazing opportunity to get to play on ice like this, you know, arena ice where uh, you know it's 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 not quite the arena ice that you we would talk about in the United States, you know, that a lot of curlers are familiar with. It's it's the fully dressed. You know the ice makers go out and they flood a bunch of times and and properly prepare it and it is the best surface to to play on so and it's what the worlds are played on it's what the best events are played on so you know you need to learn how to play that to to uh, master the the game at the elite level. Well, the night slam the tour challenge there in Thunder Bay, Ontario, November sixth through the eleventh. Jerry's we're sitting here wrapping up uh, watching a little bit of World Series. Think the Dodgers have a comeback in them? I just want to see a good series. That's all I said last night too in the extra inning game. Yeah, what time was that? I think that that was early. I think we had gone the tenth inning at this point. We definitely didn't make it to the end. It's pretty. It's an hour earlier here than on the East Coast, so it was uh, that game probably ended. I don't even know what time it ended, but I know it was like two in the morning, and I was done here. Oh, it was much later than that. Yeah, my, <laughs> yeah, it was getting pretty late and. Uh, I just want to see a good series, and this is kind of an epic matchup. It's fun. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in this week, Episode 4. Again, don't forget, subscribe uh, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play if you have an Android app, Jerry. Uh, many ways to get to the Extraction Podcast. Go to tsn.us forward slash podcast. You can listen to us right there. Um, but until next time, we got a whole lot more to do next week, and we promise we will be on time getting everything posted next week. But until then, for myself, Bryce Atkinson, and for Jerry Gertz, <laughs> President and CEO, and also my good friend sitting here with me in Truro, Nova Scotia, we will see you next week. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Follow the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home.
between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow. Sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.